My family and I have been attending Cornerstone for over seven years because of their strong focus on teaching the Word of God. God's Word impacts people's lives. Small groups, Sunday classes, Bible study. Cornerstone knows that the Bible is the sole authority for life. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to say it up front. There is potential that I could ramble a little bit this morning. I, uh, the Winters household just went through two and a half days of labor. Um, some of you would know this. We've got a daughter that we adopted from Kenya, and uh, just yesterday she uh, delivered a baby girl after two and a half days of labor, which meant all through the night for two nights, uh, sitting there going, okay, seven minutes apart oh, the whole time, but amazing, beautiful little girl. Her name is Catalina, and uh, we are just thrilled out of our minds. I think we got a picture uh, to show you. There you go. Of course, I'm in the picture because I had so much to do with this. Couldn't have happened without me, so there I am, but we're just thrilled out of our heads, but a little tired out of our heads at the same time. Hey, uh, we've been talking about... Um, I love my church and Cornerstone and kind of the values that drove this place and have made it a place that we all love to come to and God doing amazing things here. But here's what I need just to kind of confess out loud. Cornerstone wasn't always as cool as we are today. Matter of fact, if you uh, ratchet us back 15 uh, years, uh, we've actually got a picture of the original church plant team 15 years ago, really cutting edge stuff. Look at that. We, th we thought we were cool because we took our jackets off for church. And you notice the preacher haircut I got going there. So, uh, yeah, and then, and then you need to see our really, really contemporary praise team from back in those days. So here's the contemporary praise team. Uh, we, we were pushing the envelope on the deal. Uh, pretty obvious. And so some of you go, well, wait a minute, Lynn. I mean, it's, that, it's pretty obvious. Things have changed uh, over the years. And it, it, it's a great note because we really are different than the church we planted 15 years ago, and yet in some ways we are dead on exactly the same, which opens up a great question to say, hey, Lynn, what is it that, what are those driving principles that have allowed us to be different today, to change with the times and, and maybe be better at doing this than we were when we started, and yet what are the things that have kept us on, that have kept us not moving or changing those things which were vitally important. What are the governing, just the, kind of the guiding principles of this place, and why has God chosen to bless it? And I don't know if you guys have realized as we've been unpacking this together that all the discussion we've been having, all the values that we've been sharing with each other are actually out on the wallpaper in the lobby, that everything we've said together is there, and we run everything we do in this place through those values together. So here's what we've said so far. We talked on the first week and we said, one of the things that maybe makes this place different than maybe some of the churches that you and I have been in the past is a willingness to risk. It's just an acceptance of the idea that says, look, following Jesus isn't safe. I don't care what your Sunday school teacher told you, it's not safe. And there will be moments that God will take you to that just terrify. That in that moment you go, if I do that, if I were obedient with that, if I followed you there, and if you didn't show up, God, 
I would fail. It would be absolutely disastrous. And you need to know that there were times that we added staff in the past. There's moments when we went forward with building projects in the past that we knew. We knew if God didn't show up, if he didn't materialize somehow on the far end of that decision, that we would be in desperate, desperate trouble as a church. And yet what we knew was this, that God will invite you and I to risk with him to do what others would criticize and others would say it can't possibly be the right decision. And yet it was what he was asking. And so one of the commitments we've made as Cornerstone is simply this. We will do what others are afraid to do in following Jesus Christ. If he invites us, we will always be willing to risk. We talked a little bit last week about this idea of maturity, this idea of growing up in Jesus. And we said, look, at Cornerstone, we, we don't want this to simply be a fire escape. We don't want this just to be a place where people figure Jesus out and figure out how to go to heaven here, but we want this to be a place where people figure out how to grow up and become just fully devoted followers of Christ, that, that we end up looking an awful lot like Jesus. And here's what you just need to hear us say out loud. I hope we said it clearly last week, is that if you're content to be a baby Christian, if you just say, look, I just plan to spend my entire life as a Christ follower in diapers you're probably in the wrong room. You're probably going to be highly uncomfortable in this place because we're going to do everything possible we can to make you uncomfortable staying a baby Christian. We're going to push you and encourage you and beg you and prod you to grow up in Jesus. Today, we just want to talk a little bit about the fact that this church has always been a church that has said the Bible will be our authority, that if Scripture says it, that's where we'll stand. We don't care if people criticize. We don't care if people say, boy, that's old-fashioned or a little bit outdated or, boy, that's just not culturally relevant. We, we don't care that the Bible will always be the sole authority for this place. Now, here's what you need to get. Every one of us in this room, every one of us who's a Christ follower is going to make a decision about where the Bible fits in our lives. And chances are, as you go to follow Christ, you're going to place the Bible in one of two categories in your life. And where you place it is going to absolutely and dramatically change the trajectory of your life. So, there's going to be a group of people in this room, and here's what they would say about the Bible. They would say, you know what, I, I think the Bible is authoritative. I think that, that when you look at the Bible, it's got all sorts of amazing information, good ideas. It, it's, got, it's got principles in it that if you follow those principles, more often than not, you're going to end up on the right side of the issue. But there are probably moments in Scripture where maybe Scripture just didn't understand what was going to happen in 2010. Maybe, maybe there are moments that are the exception, and maybe there are relationships that the Bible didn't know would happen. And so there are moments in which I have to say, look, I know the Bible is most often true and mostly right, but there's moments where I have to go, you know what, that part just doesn't apply to me. Those Christians would say, the Bible is authoritative most of the time. There's another group of Christ followers in the room who would say, no, the Bible isn't just authoritative. It's not just a compilation of really, really good sayings and wise ventures in life. Instead, the Bible is the authority for life. Not just authority. It is the authority for life. It understands life in a way that none of us understands. Its answers are always right, 
They aren't changed by culture and they aren't changed by circumstance. And the reality is you and I need to follow Scripture on every occasion because every time I choose to disobey it, I always make a mistake in my life. And I know there'll be moments when I don't agree and I don't like what it says, but those may be the most important times to do what it says. And the Bible is my authority in life. Now, I, I, I get that those two things may not seem that different, but here's what you need to know. Depending on where you place yourself, depending on whether you say, hey, I think the Bible is mostly right and mostly true, but sometimes I need to work around it. Or if you come to the side that says, no, the Bible is always true, and every time I disagree, I am always wrong, and I always need to live within it, will absolutely change the trajectory of your life. You will end up in completely different places based on how you answer that question about the Bible. And I, and I know this is kind of tough for us because, here, look, here's the answer. Every one of us in this room would say, look, I've already got enough authority in my life. I've already got enough people telling me what to do. I don't necessarily want another one. How many of you remember when we were kids? Remember when you were little and the only authorities you had in your life were mom and dad? Remember that? And here's what you and I said when we were little. I can't wait till I'm big, because then nobody can tell me what to do. Remember that? Remember when we thought that way? And here's the irony of getting big. When you get big, all of a sudden, you don't just have mom and dad. You've got gazillions of people telling you what to do. You've got all sorts of authority in your life. The truth is, you and I have got like 20 government agencies that all think they're the boss of us. Wait till, wait till April 15th. And the IRS comes in and says, I'm the boss of you. You drive down the road in Chandler, and there's policemen who think they're the boss of us. And just try showing them you're not. You and I work uh, for companies, and the, many of us have supervisors and employers that we answer to, and they, they think they're the boss of us. They have no idea what happens when they're not in the room. You want to hear the worst one of it? Homeowners associations think they're the boss of us. There's some little anal retentive woman driving down our neighborhoods looking for weeds <laughs> and writing us, you ready? Friendly reminders that, oh, by the way, if you don't pull the weed, we're going to fine you. <laughs> a couple weeks ago, I had a birthday, and some people who used to be friends of mine uh, came over to my house and they, they teepeed my front yard and threw toilet paper all through the trees and over the roof and stuff. And then they put like a hundred little signs in the yard all about something about turning 50, and, which was really bad because I'm just 39 and <laughs> caused all sorts of confusion for my neighbors. But, so, and then the sprinklers came on. It was bad. But anyway, so I'm out cleaning up uh, what my former friends had done. And uh, I'm pulling toilet paper out of the tree. And you know what happened. It snapped. And so there's this little piece of toilet paper. Well, little piece of toilet paper hanging from the tree. It was not a day and a half later that anal retentive homeowners association lady drove by and wrote me my friendly reminder. 
you need to get the toilet paper out of your tree. Like, I put it there. Yes, I was toilet papering my tree. It ended up raining. So now the toilet paper kind of plastered up against the tree. The cool part? You can't hardly see the toilet paper anymore. So I left it. We'll see if you're the boss of me, Miss Anal Retentive Homeowners Association lady. You get it, right? You, you get, you get it. We would all say, look, I got, I, got, I got plenty of people who think they're the boss of me trying to tell me what to do. And then, and then all of a sudden, I get my life involved in church and I'm following God. And now here's the Bible. And you want to hear what's even worse? God's not just telling me what to do. He's telling me what to think. And, and let's just be honest. It feels a little bit like moving back home with mom and dad. It feels like just somebody else standing in line to tell you and me what to do. But here's the interesting thing. That for all of us that sit in this room today and would say, no, 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 no. See, I think scriptures a series of good ideas and principles that are mostly true, but the reality is at the end of the day, I'm the boss of me because if I don't agree, if I come to a passage of Scripture I don't really like, then I can say, look, I think that's culturally irrelevant. I, I think that's maybe old-fashioned and something that they said back then, but it doesn't apply today. I, I know that that's mostly true, but God never met my boyfriend. That for every one of us that lives on this side and would say, I think Scripture, you ready, is authoritative. You and I are going to discover today we want to move to this side. And we really, really do want Scripture to be the boss of us. And we really do want Scripture to say what it has to say. And we really do want to listen. It's going to surprise us. Matter of fact, grab your Bibles today. We're going to take a moment just to take a look at a passage. I think a passage of Scripture that says, look, this is, this is the good stuff. This is, this is the amazing thing that happens in my life when I let Scripture be my authority and not just authoritative in my life. Okay, so grab your Bibles, here we go. 2 Timothy chapter 3. If you're not real familiar, if you go to the back of your Bible and you work to the left, you're going to find this passage, 2 Timothy chapter 3. And it's going to unfold for us the unbelievable things that the Bible does in our lives when we let it be our authority in our lives. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Here it is, follow along, here we go. Verse 16. All Scripture. How much? All Scripture. Okay, so that means at the front, from the moment it says Genesis on the page till the very back, just before you get into the maps, all Scripture, all of it, not just parts of it, all of it is, you ready? Next phrase, God breathed, which means this, guys, that the Bible, the words of the Bible are God's work. They came from the mouth of God. If God had bad breath, you would smell it when you read the Bible. It's not just a compilation of some wise men saying, this is what we've figured out, and after making several mistakes, here's some good advice. You ready? It is God explaining how this world and this life that he created works. It is from the breath of God that you and I receive God's word. All Scripture is God-breathed, and it is useful. And now it gives a list of four things that why the Word of God is so valuable in our lives and why you and I cannot possibly ignore it and why you and I cannot possibly veto it. You ready? 
All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God or the woman of God may be thoroughly equipped, totally prepared to live life and live it well and not make mistakes and not come to the end with regret and I wishes and I could have. Be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So let's just go down the list. Let's just talk about the four things that Scripture does for my life when I let it be the authority of my life. First thing it says, God's Word teaches me. So here's what you got to get. The Bible teaches you and me things that you and I would have never figured out on our own. See, this is, this is unusual because most of us would say this, look, I like figuring it. See, I, I like kind of experiencing life and learning life lessons. I know, I know I make mistakes and I stumble, but here's the deal. I'm getting better. I'm, I'm figuring this out as I go, and I'm more mature, and I'm further along than I was when I was younger, and I'm, I'm okay. And, and at the end of the day, I'll figure this out. No, you won't. No, you won't. The Word of God teaches you and me things that you and I would never figure out. Even if you and I had a hundred years, and even if you and I made a million mistakes, and even if you and I had a gazillion life lessons, there are things in the Word of God that you and I would have never come to that conclusion. You and I would have never found that answer on our own. Let, let, let me give you some examples. How about this one? Love your enemies. Love your enemies. Now, I'm just going to be honest. I would have never come to that conclusion. I would have never. You know what my answer is? Sneak up behind your enemies. When they're not looking, pounce. Let's just be honest. You and I would have never come. We would have never come to the conclusion, love your enemies. How about this one? Give so you will receive. The, the way to be rich is give it all away. And you know, I go, no, wait, are you kidding? No, 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 no. You don't give to receive. You get to receive. See, you, you leverage your 401K and you, and, and, and you move up in the, in the company and, and, and you, you get profit sharing. You get to receive. This is all about increasing the... Are you... Give... To receive, you and I would never come up with that answer on our own. Give me a hundred lifetimes. How about this one? Forgive. Forgive people in your life who've wounded you and hurt you and who have never even asked for your forgiveness. Isn't that wrong? I mean, isn't that, I mean, that, that's, not, that's the wrong answer, right? I mean, if I'm going to forgive somebody, then, then they need to come grovel at my feet. See, they need, they, they, need to, they need to kiss the ground and say, Oh, most high Lynn, you were 100% right, and I was 100% wrong, and could you in your wonderful magnanimousness forgive me? And then maybe, just maybe, I might consider forgiving them. That's how it works, right? Who would ever forgive somebody, especially somebody who didn't ask 
for my forgiveness. So let's just be honest. You and I would have never come up with that answer. You and I would have never come to that conclusion without the Word of God. How about this one? Die. Die in order that you can live. No, 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 no. This is about living so you can live. See, this is, this is look out for number one. This is grab the gusto. This is if it feels good to you, then who cares who it hurts? Do it. This is live to live, right? And Jesus says, no, no. You want to find life? Die. Die to your old way of thinking. Die to your old way of living. And come live a completely different life. So let's just, let's just be honest. You and I would have never come to these answers on our own. And you and I would have never figured out this apart from the Word of God. So powerful is this, guys. I mean, so, so revealing is this in our lives that David, when writing about the Bible, here's what he said in Psalm 119. He said, God, your word, Scripture, Scripture is like a light unto my path and a, and a light unto my feet. He, stop and think about the context of the moment. He's saying, look, 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 before there was electricity, before there were light bulbs, when you're walking in darkness that you stick your hand out in front of your face and you can't see your hand, the Bible is like somebody handed us a lamp and all of a sudden, you see things you were tripping over. You see things that were causing you to fall flat on your face, and suddenly you're avoiding them because you would have never known that without the Word of God. I think I've got it set up so that we can turn off the lights in here. So let's, let's give it a try. More than that. More than that. And we're going to close the back door. Okay, so imagine this. Imagine that in the darkness I say to you, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're all going to figure this out for ourselves. So on the count of three, head for the exits as fast as you can. One, two. Can you imagine? You get that David just said, living my life, figuring this thing out on my own, is like stumbling in the dark. I run into things. I bruise my shins. I, I collide, and I don't even know what I'm hitting. And yet, the Word of God is like somebody handed me a lamp. And, and all of a sudden, in a dark room, in a dark life, I, I go, oh my goodness, that's... Wow, I just step around. And suddenly my life is completely changed because light came into it and I see things and I understand. I would have never, never figured that out on my own in my life. Okay, you turn the lights back on. Guys, you get that every time you and I say to the Word of God, look, I, I don't think you apply to this. I don't think you understood this. I, I don't think you were culturally relevant. Do you realize that every time you and I do that, we choose to walk that moment in darkness, in our own strength? 
And that every time you and I come to the Word of God and go, look, I don't even know if I agree. I'm not sure I understand. But I get, I get, I get that, God, you know this better than me. It's like you turning on the light in my life. And guys, how, how incredible is it that God loved you and I enough to give a light to your life and mine? Okay, so first principle, he says, look, 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 here's why you want the Word of God, and here's why you want to listen even when you don't understand, because it's like turning on a light in your life. It teaches you things you would have never figured out on your own. Second principle, the Word of God rebukes us. Some of us would say, I know it does. I mean, fact, that's probably one of the things I don't like about the Word of God. You know, it just, it just feels like whenever I open up Scripture, it's always telling me someplace I'm blowing it. It's, it's always saying stuff I don't necessarily agree with and I'm not sure I'm ready to hear or I even want to hear. It's part of why I don't like the Word of God. You get your miss in the moment. The Word of God is not about God being a jerk. It's not about a whole bunch of rules to mess you and me over. You get that moment is a friend. It's a moment in which God, through his word, is saying to you and me things that we may not want to hear, but things we need to hear. You ever had to do that? You ever had somebody in your life who was making such horrible decisions and heading, heading right off a cliff? And you, and you said, look, somebody's got to say something, and I think somebody's me. And, and you went to your friend, and you said, you said the very things you knew your friend didn't want to hear you say. You, you knew that the friendship might be lost over it. You knew that they might be angry as all get out with you for saying it. But you ready? But you loved them too much to let them run their life off of a cliff and not say what they needed to hear. You ever been that friend to somebody? And, and you get that that's exactly what Scripture does. It's, it's not saying, look, I'm here to mess you over. Or, I'm here to say the thing you probably don't want to hear, but you need to hear. Several years back, a real friend of the family, and we'll just call her Tina, started dating a young man and Man, they were both Christians, but I just got to tell you, from the very beginning, I mean, everybody watching that relationship went, wow, this is bad. You, you ever seen two people who, you know, they've got their own set of issues and they've got their own baggage they bring to a relationship, but put the two together and all of a sudden it's like their baggage and their problems gets 10 times bigger? It's like gasoline and fire together and you go, wow, you, you, you had stuff, but together you've got mountains. And they were dating, and it, it didn't take rocket science to figure out pretty quick on that they were getting involved physically in places and things that they shouldn't have been doing. And, but I, I think even more than that, we were all looking and going, there's just this weird control issue going on. There, there's all sorts of lies being told back and forth and manipulation. And, and you know the crazy part about it is there's manipulation over things and lies over things that you can't even figure out why they lied about it. You can't figure out what, why, what did it get you to lie about that? And everyone kept trying to say something, and Tina and this young man weren't listening to anybody, and finally we did like a family intervention. We, we, we knew it would be weird, but we got, we got 
everybody on her side of the family and we got everybody on his side of the family and we just got in a room and said, guys, we're just going to say out loud. I, I know you don't want to hear this, but this looks just so unhealthy. And look, we're not, we're not even saying that you got to break up. We're just saying slow down. You guys are talking like get married after 30 days. Just could you slow down? Could you just pause a minute and open your eyes and look for a minute and figure out if this is good or not? Anybody want to guess what they did? They eloped. Ten days later. I remember Tina coming to me a couple months after that. And she said, Lenny's beating me. And she pulled down her turtleneck that she'd been wearing to cover it up, and you could see the handprints, the bruised prints on her neck where he had gotten so angry with her that he had choked her and bruises all up and down her body. Because you see her what happened. See, when they got done lying and manipulating everybody else, then they wanted to lie and control and manipulate each other. And when that didn't work, man. I have to look at Tina and go, I've got to be honest, Tina, I'm not surprised. You know what she said? I just wish someone had told me You get the word of God as a friend telling you what you probably don't want to hear. Telling you the hard stuff. And it's not because he's trying to mess your life. It's because God loves you enough to say the hard thing. And guys, 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 I'd rather have one friend like that than a hundred who never told me the truth. How cool it is it that God loves you and me enough to say the hard stuff. Okay, so back to the passage. All Scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching, telling me the things I would have never figured out on my own, for rebuking, saying the thing I didn't want to hear but needed to. Third thing, for correcting. For correcting. What, what do I do when I've made the mistake? What do I do when I've already blown chunks in my life? What, what do I do when I am just so far out of, and I've got no idea how to even get back to square zero? See, look, here's the deal. There are, there are a bunch of us in the room that say, Lynn, look, here's the deal. I've, I've, I've done this. I've, I've been on this side where I said, okay, God's word is, is simply authoritative, and I ignored moments. I, I, I got into that relationship, and I said, God, no, no, no. I know Scripture says I shouldn't date him, but you've never met Chuck, and Chuck is wonderful. And Chuck is the exception, and so I dated him anyways. And, and some of us would say, look, there was that business partnership. And I get that Scripture says, look, I shouldn't be in a relationship, an equal relationship with somebody who doesn't know my God. And they shouldn't be in a place where they, we have equal. But here's the deal. We've talked through every scenario. We've planned this out. We've, we, God, it, it's going to work. You and I got ourselves in debt. And because we said, look, look, God, I get it. I get, I get that part of what's going on in my life is probably because I'm envious about what others have got. And I get that I'm, I'm leveraging myself into interest and into mortgages and into debt that I maybe shouldn't have. And, and I know there's a variable rate on the end. And, but God, I mean, the economy is going to go up. 
And in that moment in which we said, okay, the word of God is just a reference point and it doesn't quite apply to me now. And even though if I had listened, I'd be over here and I'd be in such a better place in my life, but the truth is because I opted out. I'm not where I ought to be. (laughs) Truth is, my decision has got me way off track. I mean, I'm I'm not even close to where I'm supposed to. I'm way over here and I'm way out of line. So here's the question. What do you do when you ignore the Word of God and when you've said, God, you don't understand and I get this better and now all of a sudden I'm in trouble? You know the answer? You consult the instructions. You go back to page one How many men in this room have ever built a barbecue? Okay, all right. So here's what I want you to imagine. You go to Home Depot and you buy a barbecue this afternoon. But you don't buy an ordinary sissy barbecue. You buy Hummer barbecue. (laughs) 1,743 parts barbecue. And here's what you decide as you get ready to assemble your barbecue with knobs that you don't even know what they do, but they glow in the dark. You decide that the instructions are there to consult with. The instructions are mostly true and sometimes to be referred true. So as you begin to assemble the barbecue, every once in a while you're going to look at a picture Every so often, you might read a sentence or two, but you're going to figure the barbecue out yourself. You get to the end of the barbecue, and out of 1,743 pieces, you got 43 left over. And the worst part about it is, nothing on the barbecue works like it's supposed to. If you've got the sense God gave a duck, what do you do next? Second hour, some guy said, cuss. (laughs) No. (laughs) What do you do after you cuss? You read the instructions. You, You go back to page one, paragraph one, and you read, ready? line for line, and you put every bolt where every bolt belongs, and you take out every bolt that you've misplaced, and you do it by the letter. See, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking every believer in the room who today would say, look, the reason my life is where my life is is because I've ignored Scripture and I've opted out and I've only used the Bible as a reference point and every time I disagreed or every time I, I thought I was smarter than the ones who did the directions. And that's how I got where I am. See, I would think of everybody in this room, those, those would be the ones that say, man, the Bible is my authority. I'm going to read the directions. Because here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking life is more complicated than a barbecue. And the smart ones read the directions. 
Okay, back to the scripture. First principle is, hey, the Bible tells me things I would have never known. It teaches me lessons I would have never thought of myself. Second thing is, is that it rebukes me. It tells me the stuff I didn't want to hear, but I needed to hear. And the third thing is it corrects me. See, it helps me figure out where I misplaced the bolts because I was opting out of what God said, and I built it on my own ingenuity, and it tells me how to put it back together right. Final one, ready? All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and the last one, training. Teaching me how to do this better next time. Teaching me how not to make another mistake in my life. And guys, this is where we get it wrong, because here's, here's what some of us say, look, 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 I don't think I need the training part, because Lynn, here's the deal, I'm older and I'm wiser now. You see, I, I built the barbecue the wrong way, and you know, I, I, I think I've got it figured out now. I know I made a mistake, but I'm better for the mistake. And here's what you got to hear. You don't have it figured out yet. <laughs> Making a mistake doesn't mean you know how to do it right the next time. It simply knows you know how to make a mistake. A anybody, anybody heard the story of Thomas Edison and how many tries he had to make the light bulb? Anybody know? Okay. 10,000 tries to make the first light bulb work. And someone came to Thomas Edison and said, dude, are you like just totally discouraged? You've 10,000 tries and you don't have a single successful light bulb. And Thomas Edison smiled and said, no, I've learned 10,000 ways not to make a light bulb. See, you making a mistake doesn't mean you know how to do it right the next time. It means you've learned one way not to do it. And the problem is, you and I don't get 10,000 tries at life. How many men in the room would say, look, Lynn, I'm one of those guys. I'm one of those guys that hates to ask for directions. That's me. I'd rather figure it out myself. Okay, you're lying. There's only like three hands up. All right, so let's... We'll get to the truth. How many women in the room would say, I'm sitting next to a man who does not like to ask for directions? Okay, there you go. <laughs> Liars. All right, so I get it. I get it. I'm that guy. I, I, a couple weeks ago, I'm driving around. My wife's going, pull over. Astro. I'm going, no. I get it. There, there's a certain level of satisfaction that says, no, I'd rather be 30 minutes late and figure it out. It's a guy thing. Here's the problem, guys. There's something more important at stake than being 30 minutes late. You and I don't have the time to make a whole bunch of mistakes. What if I told you when you're driving that car, it's not just an appointment, but this time your daughter is laying in the back seat and she's having a hard time breathing. And it's pretty obvious you don't get her to the hospital now. You could lose your daughter, and you don't know where the hospital is. How many men in the room say, I don't care, I wouldn't ask directions? Now, the truth is, everyone else would pull over immediately because there's too much at stake to live on my pride. Men, there's too much at stake for you to figure this out on your own.
you're going to get one shot at your kids. And you better get it right. You're going to only have one first marriage. You're going to only live your 20s once. You're only going to live your 30s once. directions. Pull the car over, swallow your pride, ask directions. There's more at stake than you think. Here's what you need to know today. Isn't it true, isn't it true that every moment of regret that you and I have, that every moment that you and I wish we could push a button and say do over, is a moment in which we stood on this side of the issue and we said, look, I think God's word is authoritative. I think, it, I think it mostly has good things to say. I think it is most often right. But here's the deal. The Bible didn't meet my boyfriend. The Bible doesn't understand my finances. The Bible doesn't get that, that in order to get this deal done, I got to fudge a corner or two. So I, I get it, I get it. I get that the Bible is most often right, but at this point... I've got to opt out because it doesn't apply to this circumstance. And guys, let's just be, isn't it true that the biggest disappointments, the biggest regrets of my life, the deepest scars have all come in moments when I was living outside of the directives of Scripture? And that if you and I had been in that moment said, no, 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 Scripture says don't ever lie. The Bible says, don't ever date that guy. Scripture says, always handle your finances. And if I had listened, I would have avoided the wound. I would have gone right past the disappointment. You guys, I'm just going to say it out loud. You can't afford to live with Scripture just being authoritative in your life a good book with some good ideas. Scripture has to be the authority of your life. Now guys, that's, truth be told, the reason this is a hard thing for us is because probably every one of us in the room has something. See, it's the little girl that's got the boyfriend and says, no, 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 if, if I made Scripture an authority, I couldn't date him. It's the guy in the room that says, Lynn, you just don't get it. I, I struggle so deeply with lust, and if Scripture was my authority, I, I know I'd have to get off the computer. It's the wife that says, Lynn, I know, I know what Scripture says about honoring my husband and loving him, and the Bible never met my husband. And every one of us has a moment in which we say, look, I can't do that because Scripture just doesn't understand my special circumstance. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. And as long as you live on this side of the issue, you will fail, you will stumble, you will regret. And you and I need the courage to say, to just honestly, look, I don't like your answer on this, God. I... I I wish I could opt out, but I believe that Scripture is my authority for life.
and that you are right even when I don't think I agree. And so I choose to even take that issue and bring it under Scripture. Let's pray. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do this morning. So I'm just going to ask, what would it be? What, what is that thing in your life that terrifies you to bring into obedience to the Bible? What, what's that moment that you think God's got it wrong and God doesn't understand what's happening in your circumstance? He doesn't get your finances. He doesn't get your relationships. He doesn't get how you're wired. And truth be told this morning, you know. You know that that's the one place that if you leave it in disobedience to God, it's going to leave you in darkness, and cause wounds. Chances are it already has. And you just need to hear you are not smarter than the Bible. You are not in control. You're mistaken. And the wisest thing you and I could do today is to bring our lives under the authority of the Bible. To simply say, look, I got all sorts of stuff I'm not even sure I agree with you on, God. If, if I were God, I might have even said it differently. I just know that every time I disobey, I'm wrong. And every time I veto you, I make a mess. And so I'm just going to choose from this day forward to live my life under the absolute authority of Scripture, even the places I don't like, maybe especially the places I don't like. Because it's a lamp that shows me where I'm stumbling and it's a friend who says what I need to hear and it's an instruction manual when I built it the wrong way. Dear Lord Jesus, we just simply come before you and God, I just pray for Cornerstone today. I pray for every person in this room that they would choose on this day to say Scripture and the Bible, they're they're not just authoritative. They are my authority. And I will live every moment of my life in absolute obedience to what God has said. Even, even the places where I think maybe he's wrong. Maybe especially the places where I don't agree. And this we pray in Jesus' name.